The Gospel reading for this first Sunday after Pentecost, Trinity Sunday, is from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I say to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know, and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has descended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Be Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Nicodemus, one of the most familiar stories of Jesus and one that appears every year in the lectionary, is found, as you know, at the opening of the Gospel of John in chapter 3. As always in John, the meaning is found in layers. I've always loved the quote that John is shallow enough for a child to wade in and deep enough to drown an elephant. This story is no exception. Now Nicodemus is a story we find only in John and begins this way. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. To say that Nicodemus was a leader of the Jews is really a great understatement. He had a most impressive pedigree. He was first a Pharisee, a professional theologian, who knew the Old Testament literally by heart. As such, he was a member of the Sanhedrin, one of the 70 most powerful men in Israel. It would be like being a member of the US Supreme Court and the United States Senate all at the same time. These 70 men had great power over the Jews everywhere in the world. These men had real power. As is often the case with such men, he was rich and lived in a big house across the valley from the temple. It had beautiful mosaic floors 
expensive furniture, an impressive water feature, and of course, a great view. In some, he had not only status, but wealth. He was part of the 1% of the 1%. Contrast that life of luxury and ease with a follower of Jesus and his message. It might seem strange that such a man would be attracted to an itinerant preacher focused on the underprivileged, the excluded in the society of his day. But Nicodemus is intrigued by what he has heard about Jesus, and there is a tension within him between his position and his attraction to Jesus' message. He feels a tapping on his shoulder for a different life path. Thus he comes to Jesus under cover of night in the darkness. He did so no doubt because as a respected leader, it is likely Nicodemus did not want anyone to know he was going to see a man perceived as a dangerous troublemaker, least of all by Nicodemus's peers. Really to understand why Nicodemus did not come to Jesus in the open, you only need to look at what happens in John's gospel right before this story. Jesus drives out the merchants and the money changers from the temple and overturns their tables and made a huge mess. This is not exactly a guy a respected leader would want to be associated with. Nicodemus must have thought it's safer to come at night so his wealthy friends would not see him. There is another layer, however. The author of John uses light and dark imagery throughout his story. Light symbolizes God's presence. Those in the dark do not know God. So coming in the dark is a signal that Nicodemus is not one of those walking in the light. See him, imagine him in the twilight, an older man, a bit stooped by his years, a long gray beard, in full Sanhedrin uniform, a flowing outer cloak on which hung the prescribed knotted fringes that proved he was a devout Jew. I can envision Nicodemus pausing and thinking, uh, maybe I should have thought twice about this visit. Uh, this could be a huge, huge mistake. See Nicodemus, making sure the coast is clear, as he certainly didn't want his Sanhedrin buddies catching him in Jesus' presence, and maybe ruining the reputation he had spent a lifetime building. As he made his approach, Jesus welcomes him, and the conversation ensued. Nicodemus, as is often what politicians do, greets Jesus with a compliment. Rabbi, you are obviously a teacher from God, for no one could do the miraculous signs you do if God were not with him. Jesus ignores the compliment and goes deeper, cutting right to the heart of the matter and proceeds to lay out a life focus, a purpose for Nicodemus, saying in paraphrase, look Nicodemus, here's the honest truth. Unless one is born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. It's a Holy Spirit thing. You can't get into the kingdom without a radical restructuring of your life. Baptism is a symbol of that. Your life is under new management. You are not in charge, and your rules and your laws are not in charge. And like the wind, God will lead you where he wants you to go. In other words, Nicodemus, you can continue to live with the goal of privilege, position, comfort, and ease. But to be truly alive, to live in the kingdom, you must strive for compassion, justice, 
and inclusion. Now Nicodemus knows the difference. He has felt the call of God's spirit in what Jesus has just said. The call is as in Isaiah, a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. But here is a dilemma for Nicodemus. How does he leave a life based on power, prestige, wealth, comfort, and ease to one of a life of service, working to give oneself to the wounded of the world? I suggest that Nicodemus feels that call from God's spirit. It's what has created within him a tension that perhaps we who live in the first world have also struggled with and felt. I know from my experience as an elected official on the local and very much lower level than Nicodemus, how easy it is to fill the pull, the attraction of the prestige that a title with power can give. As Lord Acton said many, many years ago, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely. It is so easy for power to go to your head. It begins to believe, you begin to believe that it is yours by right. After all, you have staff at your beck and call. You have people. You are treated with deference and have the title of honorable or mayor or governor or perhaps even president. When you show up, the meeting can start. People may even stand up as you enter the room. Important decisions are made that impact your community. You may, as I did, even have a free parking spot at Union Station near Safeco Field. Not easy to give up, I can tell you. <laughs> the higher one climbs, the harder it is to give up that power, that prestige. How does Nicodemus give that up? At the time, Nicodemus doesn't seem to get it. He fades away back to his life of power and wealth. But today I would like to make much of the fact that Nicodemus showed up. He didn't have to take the risks he took. He came in the dark, but at least he came. Nicodemus is a good example for us of not being afraid to show up, even when we don't have it all figured out. He is an example of not being afraid to ask questions and thereby reveal to others that we don't have it all figured out. I've seen examples of this during Crossways classes when participants are not afraid to ask questions about the Bible that have always puzzled them. They show up, they ask questions. They know that the quest for answers must begin in uncertainty. Now Nicodemus felt the call to a radically different way of living, of thinking about what is really important and how he should turn his life in another direction. I suggest to you that for Nicodemus and for us, the call is external and internal. It is a nagging sense that there is another way to spend one's life. It is like a tapping on the shoulder. Have you felt it? Many have. When, how do we listen to our soul and how are we responding to that call? Know that the call is different for every single person. No call is exactly the same. And this is the question for us today. What is that tapping like for you, for me? When and how do we listen to our souls? Do we hear God's voice there and are we responding? 
How are we responding to that call? The call is internal when you explore and identify your gifts, your passion, what you love to do. It is external when you are aware of the needs of the world and explore how your gifts, your passion, match up with those needs. It can be when you hear a friend say, you need to come to Holy Spirit, or a voice say, you should go to seminary. If you listen, your life changes. Perhaps you have felt it. Lorraine and Alan Fry did and responded by spending 14 years as missionaries in New Guinea. Members of our Refugee Resettlement Committee feel it as they walk alongside our refugee committee, our refugee family, while they make the difficult transition to a new culture. It's members of the Lutheran Peace Fellowship educating themselves and exploring ways they can reach out and aid the, hum the hungry, the homeless, the immigrant, confront racism, working and speaking out for justice. There are many other examples within this congregation. Now, it is not unusual to try to ignore that tapping, but God is nothing if not persistent. The invitation of Jesus to Nicodemus and to us is a radically different kind of life, challenging the central core values of our culture of appearance, affluence, and achievement. To instead recenter, to die to an old way of being and into a new way of being, to be reborn, that we become more compassionate beings, seeing the wondrous creature that each of us is. It is taking the justice dimension of Jesus seriously. Jesus is passionate about justice, about social justice. Again and again, his focus is on the marginalized, the poor, the outcast. Why? Because God cares about human suffering and the single greatest source of unnecessary human suffering of unnecessary social mis misery is systemic injustice. Injustice caused by the structures of our society. All the isms, racism, sexism, nationalism, imperialism. We have only to look at our world today with eyes to see and ears to hear. It means standing for an alternative vision of what life on earth can be. And verse eight of our gospel reading today is a clue. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. This is an image of God in search for humanity, for us, because it is the nature of God to be in relationship. One of the most familiar passages in the whole of the Christian Bible says it so simply, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Loves not just you and me, not just Christians, not just people, but God so loved the world. The world matters to God. In the end, the Christian message is simple. Ground yourself in God, center in God. It is the way of life. It is the way of empowerment. Participate in God's passion. Participate in God's dream. Love the world as God loves the world and change the world with your gifts, your passion, and your love. And what of Nicodemus? He continues his journey. In chapter seven, during a meeting of the Sanhedrin, Nicodemus speaks up when they are upset because the temple police do not arrest Jesus. He reminds them that our law does not judge people without first giving them a hearing to find out what they are doing, does it? He has found the courage to speak up in the daylight, 
for fairness and urge others to keep an open mind about Jesus. Then later we find him bringing a hundred pound of spices and along with Joseph of Arimathea, wrapping Jesus' body with spices and linen cloth according to the burial custom of the Jews. On Trinity Sunday, we celebrate the most fundamental element of faith and practice, Christian relationship. The doctrine of the Trinity teaches us of the communal inner life of God. God the Father is with the Son, who is with the Spirit, who is with the Father. Self-communicating, self-giving, self-receiving. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to God's self. All this is accomplished by the creative love of God the Son and the empowering presence of the life-giving Spirit. God's intention is never to condemn, but to save. That is to make life whole. Salvation language is health language. God's health for all the world in all of life's relationship. It is invitational and hopes for a response to complete the circle of love and share in the interconnectedness of creating a liberating, healing, holy trinity. Like Nicodemus, we are to keep searching, searching for ways to live the way that Jesus taught and modeled for us, to live lives as the people of the way. Let it be so. Amen. Let us pray. Holy, loving God, blow wind of God, blow away the tight rules that hold us back from trusting, risking, loving. Blow away our sin that stands in the way of encountering our neighbors. Ready us for birth, prepare us for risk. Equip us with courage and vision for the new things that wait around the corner. We cannot choose the stories we have inherited, but we can choose the stories we become. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.